Gracious God, we thank you for this day. What a beautiful day. We thank you that we can be gathered in freedom around your word. And we ask through the power of the Holy Spirit as we come before the message this morning that you would bless us, that you would guide us, that you would uplift us and comfort us all according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today is Trinity Sunday. It's the day once a year we take to learn more in an ever deeper way of who our God is. And the Trinity, quite frankly, is hard to explain. But we confess it is true because Scripture points to the Trinity. And so believing God's word, we confess to the Trinity. But it can be perplexing. Augustine, or Augustine, sometimes as he is said, Augustine, the great saint of God, was once walking along the ocean. And he noticed that there was a little boy there. And the little boy was taking a shell. And he was filling it up with water. And he was bringing it over to a hole. And Augustine said, well, what are you doing? He said, I'm filling up that hole with the ocean. And Augustine thought, that's the perfect metaphor for what I'm thinking about right now, for he was perplexed about the Trinity. And he said, I'm trying to put into my finite mind the infinite God. So if Augustine was perplexed by this, it's okay if we're a little perplexed too. But what should we do? Should we just kind of throw up our hands and say, eh, well, Trinity, good, we're fine. Or should we actually take some time to understand who God is. And so today we're going to take that time, and we're not going to try to take the whole ocean of Scripture and pour it into our brains all at once. We're going to take it in a particular framework, which I think is helpful. And the framework is this, that our God is a God of relationships. And as a matter of fact, it is from His nature throughout all time to be in relationship. Because from all time, there has been the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, in relationship throughout eternity. So God has never been alone. God, by His very nature, is a God of relationships. And because you and I are made in the image of God, we too are designed for relationships from the very beginning. And the greatest relationship you can have, bar none, is with God. So today it is about relationships. It is about the love that God has for us, who calls us, who comes to us and calls us. I think one of the best places, rather than try to do all the scripture, is just to start with one spot and then work our way from there. And I think the best is to go with the Gospel of John, chapter 16. And we're going to focus really on verses, actually, uh, that should be 13 through 15. You only have 13 and 14 on screen. So let's hear God's word. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, 
for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, if you remember, what's the context for this? This is actually on the night in which he was to be betrayed. And he was spending that last night with his disciples, filling them as much as they could in understanding. And I'm pretty sure that they were perplexed by what he was saying. But when Jesus is talking, he's clearly distinguishing between himself, between the Father, between the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about three persons here. But I want you to notice as we work our way through that all three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, are working together in one mission for one purpose. All persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are working for one mission, one purpose. As a matter of fact, when you start to study Scripture and you see how things are all interlaced, you find this, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all working together for your salvation and sanctification. That you may be redeemed, that you may be holy, that you are brought into full relationship with Him. That is the work of God. So let's take a look at each of the three persons. We're going to start with God, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Now, I know in the text, it actually doesn't say Holy Spirit, uh, the, the Spirit of Truth with a capital T, but you th should think about truth being a capital T, not just a lowercase t. So it is the Spirit of Truth. And Jesus makes it clear that it's truth with a capital T because he is going to bring you into all truth. So as I've covered with many of you at different times in different places, when we speak about truth, truth, capital T, is true for everyone. All cultures, all places, all times. It doesn't mean you have your truth and you have your truth. No, truth, true truth. And that, it's kind of weird to even have to say that, right? True truth is true everywhere. This is important for us to understand because our culture, especially nowadays, wants to talk about truth in a subjective, lowercase t. And so people are searching for their truth, my truth. And they're searching everywhere. And so... From a spiritual point of view, they'll search for and read books like uh, The Secret. Anybody read that one or heard of that one? The Secret, the knowledge of the universe. Or they'll read The Shack, which is one guy's version who's taken biblical Christianity and shaped it into what he wants. Or they'll follow false prophets like Joseph Smith. Mormonism, Latter-day Saints, or Jehovah's Witnesses, or even on the really sad, sad side, remember Jim Jones? 900, I think, 18 people drank cyanide Kool-Aid all at once and died. 
See, all of those people are looking for the truth apart from the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says the Holy Spirit will guide them into all truth. And by the way, for us, as we went into the Athanasian Creed, we believe one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's the truth. Full stop. Okay? But what does it mean, really, when Jesus is saying he will guide you into all truth? Again, people are going to go, oh, all truth must be somewhere. I got to search for it. Look, you don't have to go any further than Scripture itself. Just let Scripture interpret Scripture, and you will find the answer. And this one is not hard. Okay, I want you to fill in the blank. You know this one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, that's either true or false. And he didn't say a truth, a way, a life. He said the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So the Holy Spirit, when guiding into all truth, is going to point to Jesus because Jesus is the truth. So with this understanding now, Let's go back to our our text. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit always points people to who? Jesus. Look, the shack, the secret, the, all those other things, they didn't point to Jesus. The true work of the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. And thus, into all truth must mean a greater understanding of who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit's leading always points us to Jesus, who is the truth, and therefore, into the truth must mean a greater understanding of who Jesus is. Look, we covered that actually last week in Pentecost. People were empowered by the Holy Spirit not to declare the Holy Spirit, but to declare Christ Jesus and his gospel. That's what was declared. And who got the glory on the day of Pentecost? It was Jesus. The Holy Spirit wasn't there for his own glory. It said it would glorify Christ Jesus. So Jesus always gets the glory. But here's the question. Okay, we get the work of the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit God? That's a tough one for a lot of people. Is the Holy Spirit God? And the answer is yes. Again, you have to go back to Scripture. I'm not going to do the whole thing here, but just two aspects, two attributes of God, all-knowing and eternal. So, In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, For the Spirit, capital S, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
the Holy Spirit knows even God's thoughts. He is all-knowing and is eternal. Remember, eternal, no beginning, no end. In Hebrews, it says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God? So when you take a look and put all of this together, you have God, the Holy Spirit, working in perfect unity with God, the Son, God, the Father, for your salvation and sanctification. Hmm. This is what Jesus is talking about here with his disciples. I'm sure they didn't get it. I'm sure they were much more like the, the boy with the shell trying to fill up the hole with the ocean. Well, now let's turn our eyes upon Jesus, okay? It says, For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, if you take a look at his statement at face value, I'm going to paraphrase C.S. Lewis here. Jesus is either the biggest lunatic or the most blasphemous liar, or he is actually Lord and God. Because really, if you take a look at it, he's going to declare the truth, which is mine. I have all truth. See, either a lunatic or a liar would say something like that, right? Unless he's God. And to say that he will receive glory, you have to understand how blasphemous this would be for the Holy Spirit to give me glory. And glory that I had with the Father, he says that in chapter 17, glory that I had with the Father before all time. Now that's blasphemous according to Scripture in the Old Testament. Isaiah, if you want to mark this, go to Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. It says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and will keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, to the prison, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other. Jesus said that he's going to get glory. But God has said, I give my glory to no other. But Jesus said, I get the glory. So that's either blasphemous or it's true. So what clues do we have from Scripture? What clues do we have from Scripture that he is God. I'm going to give you two. John, chapter 1. You know this one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything made that was made. By the way, Jehovah's Witnesses, don't like that. As a matter of fact, and I've said this before, but just as a reminder, they have changed their Bible. 
to fit their thoughts. They say, and he and the word was a God, not God. They put the word a uh, in there. And by the way, in the Greek, it's not there. You can't find it. In a literal translation, it would say, and God was the word. Okay, so that's one. Hmm, Jesus is the word. And he was with God and is God. Okay, so if that's not clear, go to Colossians. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. By the way, Jehovah's Witnesses also don't like this one. Because they say that Jesus is a created being. So they add, literally add a word in here. And he is before all other things. They add the word other in there. Because he was created and then other things were created. I mean, they just, they got to change it because they can't deal with it in and of itself. And there's another one that's not even on here, but the Jews were really mad at him because Jesus said before Abraham, I am. He didn't say I was. He said, I am, which you remember is the name of God. So he's eternal he, all-powerful, created everything. Everything holds together. And thus, Jesus is fully God. And because he is fully God, he is worthy of what? All honor, praise, and glory. Okay. So why did Jesus come to earth? I wish we were doing a Bible study right now. We can have a little discussion on that. Why did Jesus come to earth? He came for our salvation. He suffered, died, and rose again so that we would be redeemed. He paid the price for our sins. And then he rose again, which seals the promise of eternal life with him in heaven, right? So Jesus, sent by the Father for our salvation, Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, is working perfectly with God the Father, God the Son, for your salvation and sanctification. This is a perfect unity, isn't it? It's the relationship, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, this relationship on behalf of your salvation and sanctification is so great that the Great Commission is actually from all three. One God, three persons. For what did Jesus say? Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three working together. So we've got God, the Holy Spirit, we've got God, the Son, and now God, the Father. God, the Father, is the easiest for 
most people to understand. God the Holy Spirit, very hard. God the Son, even hard for a lot of people too. God the Father, we kind of go, oh, I get that. So, Father, just as we will say in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Now, he was also the creator of all things, right? Hmm. Jesus created everything. God the Father created everything. Well, just go to Job. There's a couple of verses on there if you want. Go to Job. Job chapter 38 says, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined the measurements. Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what basis on what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. He also knows our heart, and he is worthy of worship. He is the object of worship. Jesus, to the woman at the well, said this, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Now look, there's a whole lot of other things that we could say about God the Father. Why did God the Father send his Son? Do you know? John 3.16 For God so Love the world. See, this is an act of love. God the Father loved us so much that he sent us his only son. There's a song, we're not singing it today, but I, I really like it, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. See, out of love, God the Father is working in perfect unity and love with God the Son and God the Holy Spirit for your salvation and sanctification. Let's put it together here a little bit. Out of love, the Father planned salvation and sent His only Son. And out of the love of the Father and for us, Jesus went to the cross to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sins. And out of love for the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit convicts sanctifies, and empowers the believers so that we are restored in relationship with him. Now, isn't that perfect unity, perfect purpose, perfect mission? And here's the thing. When you abide in Christ Jesus, you are abiding then in a relationship of perfect love and unity. When you have saving faith in Christ Jesus and you are abiding in him, you are abiding then with the Father and the Holy Spirit as well.
a relationship of perfect unity and perfect love. And when you abide in that relationship, you have peace that surpasses all understanding. And your heart is filled with ever greater love. That's the relationship that you can have. And so when we talk about Trinity, in a literal sense, it means tri-unity. A unity in the relationship. Now, some people might say, hold on, hold on. The Bible never uses the word Trinity, and it's true it doesn't. So what? It is the word that we use to express what Scripture declares. Plain and simple. So, three persons. Does that mean we believe in three gods? No, we still believe in one God. Deuteronomy. It's the Shema, which means to hear. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now that's the Old Testament. Did Jesus reiterate that in the New Testament? Well, of course, he did. He asked, Well, what was the greatest commandment in the Old Testament? And he says, The most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So Jesus confirming one God. Why is this important? Because we believe in one true God, not many gods. And this is really important in today's culture, especially because a lot of people say it doesn't matter what God you believe in. As long as you believe in a God, I guess, as long as you're sincere, all roads, all religions belong to the same God. Look, I've used this analogy before. I'm going to use it again. A wife is a wife is a wife is a wife. It doesn't matter who you call your wife as long as the woman is a wife. All right, all the ladies are mad at me now. A husband is a husband is a husband is a husband. It doesn't really matter what man it is as long as you just call him a husband. Doesn't work, does it? Because the woman you married is your wife. And you need to know her and honor her in the unique manner of who she is. A husband is not just a husband is not just a husband. A husband is a unique person, and you need to love him and cherish him and honor him in the unique person he is. You get the analogy, right? It is the same with God. You can't just say a God is a God is a God is a God. That's not it. We have to be able to honor and cherish God who is unique. Not one of many gods, but one true God. 
one God who exists in three persons. Because if you don't have that, you don't have that understanding. You don't have the understanding of the full relationship, the full love that God has. Because it does say God is love. And for love to exist, there has to be another person for that love to happen. And so this God is love, is eternal love, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit throughout eternity. And when you have faith in Christ Jesus, you enter into that relationship of love. So to say the Son is not God is to not understand who God is. To say the Holy Spirit is not God is to not understand who God is. To say that it's only the Father is not to understand who God is. That's why we take this day once a year to understand in greater depth of our triune God, one God in three persons. See, and, and the wonderful thing is when you're born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you come to faith in Christ Jesus and you abide in him, you enter into a perfect relationship, unity and love. That's who we worship. So this week, it's going to be a really easy application. I want you to give thanks. I want you to give thanks to the Father for the plan of salvation. I want you to take time this week and give thanks to the Son, Jesus, for dying for our sins and rising again for eternal life. And I want you to give thanks to the Holy Spirit who convicts, sanctifies, and empowers all believers. So let's give thanks. Gracious God, we do give you thanks this day. We give you thanks, Father, for your love and the plan of salvation. We give you thanks, Jesus, for the love you have for us in going to the cross. And we thank you, for Holy Spirit, for guiding us, compelling us, and even dragging us when we don't want to go. So we just give you praise, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. 